You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Okay, so we've clarified from the very beginning that real men only have one wife. That's, 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 that's our goal. We don't need to go beyond that. Okay, excellent. So, uh, I'm so grateful to be talking to you guys today. Uh, now, obviously, we, we all probably labeled this class already the purity class, right? And when you hear purity class, what generally goes through your mind? Exactly. That, that kind of toned down, kind of, oh gosh, we're going to talk about that. And it's usually kind of a downer. But uh, I want to start a uh, revolution. If you guys will join me, I want to join a, uh, start a revolution in this room. I want us to take back the word purity. Okay, so let me let me just test. Let me ask if anyone raise your hand if you've ever been asked this question. You guys ready? Okay, all right. We're we're in the right church. That's right. We asked this question, right? But unfortunately, when we ask that question, are we asking about Purity. We're not. We're asking, have you been looking at this? Have you been doing that? Correct? And do you need to confess something? I mean, talk about a perfect scheme, right? If the devil wanted to trick us, why not take the word purity and completely hijack it and associate it with everything that is not pure? Just this week, I was in a group with men, and one of the brothers said this. And we all know what he meant, right? What does that mean? My purity was good this week. It means that this week, I did not do this. Or I did not look at that. And I'm sitting there going, but hold on, what about your week was pure? What about your week was pure? And do I even have an answer to that question? Well, golly, what is pure? Well, I know what it isn't. But do we, are we aware and are we determined, right, to figure out what it is and what we do need to be focused on? So look at this. This is one of my favorite verses. Uh, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to think about such things. Whatever is pure... Think about such things. It doesn't say, whatever is not pure, think about such things. Or, whatever you're not supposed to be doing, make sure you think about such things. It says, whatever is pure, think about such things. I was in a uh, recovery group uh, a couple of months ago, and we did an exercise. We, re- we realize that we've been stolen, this word has been stolen from us. We do not understand, we don't fathom what pure, what purity actually means and what it's about. And so we literally pulled out some index cards. And by the way, has everyone paid the registration fee? Yeah. For the conference? Yes. Everyone's legit? Everyone's paid? Okay, good. So I have a free gift for you. Yeah. It's an index card, okay? So if you've paid your registration, you, uh, you can get one of these, okay? I'm going to expect everyone to be really honest. Okay, so take one of those. Uh, and what we did was, we just sat down and we made up a list 
of everything that we associate, something that we think about or something that we do, that is pure. Okay? Can you guys help me just pass these out, pass them behind you, all that good stuff? Okay. So I'm going to share with you mine. And what we did was we put these ideas on an index card, and then we all carried them in our wallets. And every single day we run across this card, and I call it my uh, my purity card. Okay? And on this piece of paper is not all these things that I'm not supposed to do, or all these things that I'm not supposed to look at. No, these are things that I associate with and understand as being pure. Okay? So I'm going to share some thoughts with you. Uh, stillness. Quiet. Bodies of water. Trees. Clouds. The moon. Waking up. Did everyone wake up today? Is that beautiful? Is that a good thing? Or is it just another morning? Yeah, I got more life to do. No. Was it pure? Was it amazing? Uh, scriptures. My co-workers, unconditional service, safety, confidence, rain, sunrises, riding my bike, WD-40. <laughs> okay, that one was weird. There, there was this one day a brother taught me the how to clean chrome on a bike with WD-40. I thought that was amazing. I was just like, man, this is so pure. This is so great. I love it. Okay. Uh, Pixar movies. Sorry, I got a soft side, baby. Okay. Uh, awesome music. Beautiful music. Right? I mean, again, everyone's got to have your own list. But the point is, we got to finally do what Paul's talking about. Brothers, think about such Things, Because here's the thing. If you don't think about such things enough, you're going to start thinking about other things. You see how it works? That's what this is all about. Okay, let's move on. How do you look at a person's body with honor? Right? Again, we know how we're not supposed to look at the sisters. We know I'm not supposed to take a second look. But hold on, have we stopped and really reflected on how do I look at another human being with honor? Maybe it's looking at them in the eyes, right? Maybe it's looking at them and realizing, oh, wait a minute, she is someone's daughter. Oh, wait a minute, that girl God made, God created Right? How do I look at a woman but tell God's story about that woman? It is really hard to lust at a woman when you're thinking about God's story about that person. Is that true? But again, these are the things that we need to be thinking about. Okay, this is a great quote by Viktor Frankl. When a person can't find a deep sense of meaning, they distract themselves with pleasure. Now, have we found a deep sense of meaning? If we wake up every day and walk as disciples of Christ, giving our lives to Him who created us, I mean, we were created to find Him, and we found Him. So the deep sense of meaning should be there, right? 
But here's the thing. We talked about this class. is called Real Men, Real Sexuality. Sexuality is about connection. Was Jesus a sexual person? Let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. I'm sorry, guys, but Jesus was sexual. He never had sex, but he was sexual. In other words, he was about connection. What the world has done is it's taken connection and it's sexualized it. The only way to connect is to be have sexual thoughts about someone or to literally have sex with them. Oh, that's connecting. Which is a huge lie. It's a huge lie. So, we have to make sure that we are embracing that deep sense of meaning so that we don't get distracted with pleasure. The opposite of sin is not not sinning. The opposite of sin is connection. How is your sinful nature when you are really connected to God and really connected to other men in your life? It's contained, right? It it feels weak. Your sinful nature feels weak when you feel connected to God and connected to other men in your life. What a man desires is unfailing love. It is better to be poor than a liar. Now, I believe that verse. I believe that verse absolutely applies to me. I think it applies to every Christian. I think it applies to every single human being on the face of the earth. Which is why people suffer. Because they are made to desire unfailing love. But do you know what you do when you don't find unfailing love? You settle for failing love. Or you settle for pleasure. Right? Because some of us, we, we just think, no, what I really desire is porn. What I really desire is, you know, to have sex with somebody. Well, that's what you think you desire. But you are made to desire unfailing love. And so far, I've only met one resource that actually provides that. No woman, no brother, but only God. And if I get that desire fulfilled with God, guess what? Now I can go pursue some other things, right? Because I'm complete already. But I remember as a single guy, I mean, it was just, it was such agony. I just always told myself, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, and I gotta have her in order to feel complete. Or I gotta have her to feel more secure. 
And so it was like I was not enough unless I had this other person in my life. And God did not make us that way. Every single one of you is perfectly created. And God loves every single one of you in an unfailing way. But do we hear that? Do we experience that? That's what we've got to go for. Look at Psalm 119. This, there's some really deep stuff here. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. So, how do we stay pure? Is it reading our Bibles? Didn't say that. Okay, how do we stay pure? Do we go to church? Didn't say that. Right? What does it say? By living according to your word. So, you got to keep in mind, there's a difference between reading the Bible and living according to the Bible. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. And we've got to make sure we understand that. But guess what? The hint, the way to do that is just a couple of verses later. Look at this. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Now, Dave, hold on, dude. Meditation, that's a, that's a Buddhist thing. You're going east. You're going east. Stay west. Well, hold on. Meditation is a Judeo-Christian practice. Okay? My beef with Western Christianity is that there were centuries where we became so doctrinal and so informational, we forgot to be experiential. We forgot that any human being can take some words of truth and meditate on them in such a way that it absolutely transforms their life. That's why David wrote this. God, I meditate on your precepts because guess what? It changes me. He wasn't just reading. And let me teach you how to meditate. Here's how meditation works. You look or you observe something outside of you until you feel something inside of you. And then you move. You engage something. You do something. Now, does anybody want to know why I know that every single person in this room is capable of meditating? Okay, let me ask a really uncomfortable question. And make sure you raise your hand really quickly and don't look around to the left or the right. Okay, you ready? Have you ever looked at pornography? Okay? Don't look around, people. Just just hold your hand. Okay, now put it down. All right. So guess what? If you've ever looked at pornography, then you understand what this is all about. Because pornography has taken the mechanism of your brain that's designed and created for meditation, and pornography has completely exploited that. What is pornography? I look at something outside of me, I feel something inside of me, and now I do something. Do you see? But here's the thing. What do we need to be looking at outside of ourselves? This goes back to Philippians 4.8. Hey, brothers, think about things that are pure. If you think about things that are pure, 
you'll start seeing things that are pure. (laughs) You'll actually start saying things that are pure. So just go for it. Keep thinking. Keep looking at things outside of you that are pure, that are beautiful, that are awesome. And let that move you inside. This is the issue with porn. And and I say this because I used porn for years. And the problem with porn was I began to not be able to feel things anymore. If I was mad, I went to porn. If I was sad, I went to porn. If I was nervous about something, I went to porn. And guess what? Every single time, it worked. Right? You guys are too quiet. You're like, am I the only guy here that feels that way? Okay, come on. Uh, that's how it works. And so doing that over and over and over again, I realized I didn't even have any... I couldn't be in touch with how I felt about things. Because I medicated how I felt. Constantly. And that is not what God designed us to be. He designed to give us freedom. Freedom. But freedom isn't comfortable. As men, as real men, we need to be willing to connect with some uncomfortable stuff. Like anger, sadness, fear. Have you ever read any Bible character that's engaged in any of those emotions? Yeah. (laughs) Read a few Psalms. They're in every Psalm almost. I mean, come on. There are emotional men in the Bible. You know why? Because you are emotional men. (laughs) But there's a way to utilize those feelings, to utilize those emotions to benefit you. One of my favorite quotes, I apologize it's not up there, but emotions are a horrible master, but a great servant. But the point is, if we've had any experience or any experience being near someone whose emotions mastered them, we learned, stay away. Don't don't even go near those things. They take over. They control your life. So just don't feel it. But who designed emotions? Yeah, it wasn't a trick. God designed those with a purpose. Therefore, we need to honor them. And by the way, when you honor them and pay attention to them more, they don't become masters. They serve you. They help you out. They help you engage things. They help you make better decisions sometimes. But I get it. When anger is this big, it's not helpful. Usually I'm being irrational and mean and I'm in sin. But anger this much kind of tells me maybe where I need some boundaries in my life. Or maybe it gets me just enough energy to kind of go deal with a situation that isn't right. That's what anger is for. Okay. All right. Sin is an illegitimate remedy for experiencing a lack of love from people or God. Now, if you're experiencing a lack of love from people or God, whose responsibility is that? Thank you so much. Right? The greatest commandment is, isn't go and be loved by people. <laughs> is that what Jesus said? Come on, just go out there and get loved by as many people as you can. No. Jesus says, no, I'm talking to you. You go love. You go and love people around you. 
You go love your co-workers. You go love members of the opposite sex. You go love the people that you don't even like very much. You, you need to go and love. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's do a little brain thing here. Uh, the two parts of the brain that I always talk about, and I apologize if you've heard this a thousand times, I apologize, but to me it doesn't get old because the brain doesn't change very much. It's still the same way it was thousands of years ago. But your prefrontal cortex is right behind your forehead in charge of all these wonderful complex functions like judgment, decision-making, impulse control, planning, reflection. Do real men have those qualities? Yeah. Real men have those qualities. That's why we need to take really good care of our prefrontal cortex. The limbic system, which is right in the middle of your brain, is in charge of all your emotions, your reward center, and that's where we get into trouble sometimes, right? The reward center is what we are overactivating when we are lusting, looking at porn, or masturbating. We're basically getting a big, huge release of dopamine, and it feels incredible, but it hijacks you. It hijacks you. So, reward center, then your social brain, your sense of connection of who you're with, who you're not with, is all managed there. Also, your long-term memories are stored in your limbic system. Basically, your history is stored in your limbic system. And then your senses, your sense of touch, you know, feeling things in your body and whatnot. So, I'm going to go over just one aspect of this that I want you to understand. It goes about the, re- goes about the reward center. Now, I'm so sorry. Can you guys read that over there? Alright, I'm going to take you on a story. This is the story of dopamine, okay? So, this little blue bar up here, that is called the dopamine set point. Everybody has a dopamine set point, okay? And basically what your dopamine set point is, whenever you engage in activities that releases just enough dopamine to get close to that set point, that tells you the things that you enjoy, The things that you like, the things that you're interested in, the things that you can spend hours doing are all things that engage your reward center just enough to release enough dopamine to get really close to that set point. And so this guy here, he's going about his day. Uh, He starts thinking about pizza. So his now that's kind of how the reward center works is that just your anticipation of something that you enjoy starts releasing dopamine. So this guy is just starting to order his Domino's pizza or whatever his thing is, and his brain is starting to release some dopamine that helps him get all the way to the finish line, which is picking up your pizza, right? So he gets the pizza and it goes up, right? And then after he finishes pizza, he looks at the dining room table, and what does he see there? Bills! Bills are not good for dopamine. They, they don't they don't do anything there, right? So... But bills release cortisol, which is a whole other brain story. I'll talk about that some other time. But anyway, so your dopamine goes down when there's things that you that are in your life that you don't really enjoy doing but may need to do. Do real men do things that they don't want to do? Yes. All right. So then he calls a friend. So your dopamine is also connected to relationships. People that you connect with, people that you feel comfortable with. I'm telling you, just thinking about them. Literally, just thinking about two or three brothers in your life that get you, that know you, your brain releases dopamine. Now, it doesn't release this much dopamine, but it releases dopamine. And dopamine is a really healthy thing that God designed for us and for Him. 
Because he gave us dopamine so that we would be motivated and we would be learners for the rest of our lives. Because dopamine is about motivation and growth and learning. Does anybody need more of that? Yeah. Yeah. I I need a lot of that. Okay, so now, uh, talks to his friend, then he has some joy and peace, and the peace is still doing really good, and then, I guess his grandmother or somebody offered him spinach, (laughs) and if you notice the big dip, I mean, come on, spinach? Spinach? Pizza? There's just no comparison, right? Unless you're a health person, I apologize, but whatever. So, and then after he, after he endures the spinach, and notice the distance to the, to the opening set point, right? It's further away. It's because I don't like spinach. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's life and dopamine. Now let's look at the porn trap. Okay, here we go. So this person is living life. He calls his friend, gets a little bit of a dopamine hit. Then he meets his friend. That was that was fine. Then went back to life. Then he ordered some pizza again, and then he started thinking about his job or something. His stress level, his, some stressful situations came up. Again, cortisol sort of counters dopamine. So his dopamine levels went down when he's thinking about something that's stressful. And now, what does he do? He goes online, looks at some porn. Porn does not get close to your dopamine set point. Porn goes way beyond your dopamine set point. Okay? And then what goes up must come down. Then he feels guilt and guilt. And then he, thank goodness, he calls his friend, right? And that starts to help him a little bit, right? But unfortunately, this story is not the way it works. The way that it really works is this. Once you break your dopamine set point, it is reset. Right? So think about that. If your dopamine set point is higher, is your satisfaction with pizza as strong as before? No. Because I'm not going for this now. I'm going for this now. So pizza doesn't do it anymore. Now that's the funny example, but let me share the painful example. What happened to this guy's relationships? He's not as satisfied. He's not, he's not as fulfilled in reaching out to the people that know him and love him. Because now his doping set point is so high. And now, welcome to the trap of addiction. Because now I've gotten so stimulated by looking at porn or masturbating that now the rest of my life is kind of gray. Right? And then life is gray, right? But then life's terms still keep coming. I still gotta go to work. I still gotta get all my stuff done. But it's all in this gray cloud. And so what do I think I need? Well, I need porn again. Or I need to lust more. It's a trap. It's a trap. Okay. Yeah, this is what we just talked about. And notice here about lust. Lust is just moving toward, trying to move toward that higher dopamine set point. Okay? Now, before everyone here feels doomed and condemned (laughs) with your dopamine set point up here, guess what? The dopamine set point doesn't stay there. When you abstain from toxic things like porn or drugs, any of the vices that we use to get that dopamine hit, when you stay away from those things, your brain very naturally, very organically tries to repair. It tries to heal. 
Which is why, over time, that dopamine set point will begin to descend. It will begin to come back down. All right. All right, now let's talk about some good news. Okay, so here we go. Here's the dopamine set point. Now this person, this guy's doing pretty good. Look at him. He's got life. He's taking some breath. Has anyone thanked God for breath lately? It's a good thing to thank Him for. He gives you a lot of it. Okay, so just breathing. Then He took some time to just meditate on one of God's wonders, which in this case happened to be a tree. How many of you guys have surfed the internet for trees? That's a really good idea. But guess what? You don't have to do that one online. You can just step outside and find a tree. Okay? But I'm telling you. Hold on. Remember what we learned about meditation. Don't just look at the tree. You need to connect with this miraculous organism that God has made. And you need to look at it and admire it long enough that you start feeling something inside. But I guarantee you guys, every single one of us probably walked by 30 trees already today. And we didn't even blink, right? But I'm telling you, this is, this is how magnificent God is. His wonders are all around us. The question is, are we paying attention? Can we get the benefit of what God has already done? Or is my brain hijacked with, nope, I gotta have a girlfriend? It's a risky game. It's a risky game. Okay, so this person had, looked at a tree, then he had a good talk with somebody, then he paused and just thanked God for his health. You don't really appreciate what you have until it's gone. On January 3rd this year, I had a full head-on collision on my motorcycle. I car turned in front of me, I hit it, flew over, broke my collarbone and my knee. Let me tell you, I really appreciate health. Because I didn't walk normal for about a month. Had my arm in a sling for a month. I'm left-handed. I had to write all my notes with my right hand. I look like a second grader. You know, having good day. You know, what our journaling was just horrible, but whatever. Okay, so anyway, you get my point, right? Gratitude. Gratitude is a powerful thing. Uh, my health, and he meditated on Scripture. Oh, and look at this one. He overlooked an offense. Has anyone ever overlooked an offense? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Would you recommend that? <laughs> Five today, all right. Don't mention names, please. All right, okay. All right, here we go. So overlooking the fence, called the brother. Oh my goodness, then he looked up. And he looked at the sky and was amazed at how big and massive and beautiful that thing is. And oh my gosh, it's there every day. Why is it there? It's because God is trying to woo you. Yeah. God is trying to be your lover. Man, if you don't let God be your lover, you're going to start looking for a lover in all the wrong places. I just made that up. That was pretty good. All right. Okay, here we go. Okay, so anyway. So then, food, blessing someone, being of service to somebody. I'm telling you, it's kind of weird, but I imagine the happiest people in this conference are people like Jason and Turnwall. You know why? Because they're serving. Make sure in your home church, whatever that is, make sure you have a clear way 
of serving. Make sure you find whatever that is. I don't care if it's kids' kingdom or whatever. Find your way to serve. We have been made for that. Okay? All right. Oh, did you see that? Guys, I worked really hard on this special effect. So look very closely. Watch, guys. When you start valuing things like this, when you start meditating on things like this, when you start appreciating all these things in your life, look at that dopamine set point. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. I, I bet I bet dopamine just went in all your brains just now, right? You're like, whoa, that was so cool. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But here's the point. You don't have to be doomed or controlled by your dopamine set point. You can be in control of it. But guess what? There's one little word that you better learn right now because it's the only word that's going to make this happen. Are you ready? Yes. Here's the word. Are you going to write it down? Because yeah. it's not on the screen. Okay. Intentionality. It is only going to happen if you are intentional. When Jesus went around asking people to be his disciple and follow him, he said, look, I'm just telling you what you... I'm just, I'm just inviting. But the initiative is on you. You have to take the initiative. And that is true every single day of our lives as disciples. We get to take the initiative to do the things that are right. To do the things that are noble. To do the things that are pure. That's what we get to do as disciples of Jesus. And that's a good thing. Real sexuality is about true intimacy. Real sexuality is about true intimacy. And true intimacy is to know and be known by God and others. Remember what we said in the beginning. Sexuality is about connection. Jesus, every day of his life, knew God and was known by God. And Jesus knew men in his life. And the men around him were knowing him. They had intimacy. They knew each other. They connected. Ask and answer good questions. Ask and answer good questions. If you want to connect, ask good questions. Did Jesus ask questions? He asked a lot of questions, actually. For a man with all the answers, he asked a lot of questions. Because he wanted people to think. And he also wanted to connect with people. That's why he asked questions. So I encourage you, even just among the brothers, start talking about what are some really good questions. I'm going to help you out a little bit. Here's one. What's the most important thing that's happened to you this week? Now, whatever question you ask, make sure you answer it. This is called a conversation. Okay. I didn't know that was going to be funny, but okay. Anyway, that's a conversation, right? You ask a good question, and you, and you listen. <laughs> you listen, and then you answer it, right? So if you're going to ask somebody what the most important thing was about their week... Make sure you're ready with 
What was the most important thing in your week? Right? What's the most impactful book other than the Bible on your life? And why? Wait a minute, have I read a book? No, just kidding. But you understand? Asking good questions, listening to the answers, and then answering it yourself. That creates a really good connection. Because this is what Jesus did. This is why Jesus' ministry was always kind of micro. Right? Large crowds, what did he do? He always left the large crowds. And he went back to his guys. Because guys, you can't experience intimacy in a room full of 500 people. But a good conversation with two people, four people, double date, triple date, group date, whatever, you can do these kinds of things. And you start creating connection. Okay, our takeaways for today are... Am I doing okay on time? Okay. Takeaways. Number one, develop a mind and eye for pure things. You can read Philippians 4.8 all day long and never put it into practice. When Paul says think about pure things, you need to make sure you've got a, a full agenda of what are things that I can really focus on that are pure. Man, when I started doing this, after I wrote my card out, one of my things was observing children. I mean, kids are great. I mean, Jesus lifted them up, right? But now suddenly I'm in like stores, and usually I'm kind of stressed out into my own little thing. And because of that card, I realized, oh, wait a minute, where's a kid? And I'd find a kid somewhere in line or something like that, and I would just watch them. I'm telling you, man, it nourished me. It's like, wow, life is that, is that pure. It's that simple. Man, I used to be like that. Somebody took care of me when I was that age, when I was two or whatever. I mean, just reflecting on these things. I'm telling you, it takes care of you. But you gotta take initiative. And you gotta find these things. You gotta look for these things. So that they can bless you. Then think about such things. Practice true intimacy one day, one conversation, one question at a time. Now, I gather there's some events planned for the rest of the day, correct? Gentlemen, we can start this one today. What's one or two really good questions that I'm going to ask a sister or some sisters tonight? And am I ready to share my own answer to that good question? Right? Start getting ready. Dates aren't just about getting the clothes right and smelling right. you got to get your mind right. Correct? Get equipped. Okay? Alright. So, uh, I'm going to make a shameless plug for a conference that I'm participating in on uh, May 5th. This is the uh, Pure and Simple Conference. This has been going on on the East Coast for the last nine years. Uh, in May, is going to be the first of its kind on the West Coast. And this is not just for people dealing with, you know, pornography and all that kind of stuff. It's basically a healthy, full-day conference about sexuality. There's going to be classes. There's going to be a panel. But uh, please consider this if you're available on May 5th. I know it's Cinco de Mayo, but please forgive me, uh, Latino brothers. But anyway, but you can register for that at OCC Church of Christ. And then I do also want to make another shameless plug for a really good friend of mine. 
uh, Jennifer Conson and her husband Tim have written this book called Redeemed Sexuality. I just finished it this week. Guys, excellent resource. Really good resource. And uh, I think she's uh, selling it there in the lobby. But um, that's all I have. Uh, we have a few minutes. What if we just took uh, five minutes for some Q&A? Would that be okay? Okay. Okay, awesome. Yes, sir. It's the same, absolutely, it's the same exact thing. And that's why people with, whether you're addicted to pornography or substances, the the ultimate result of that is you really lose connection with people in your life, which is why it's really harmful. Right. So, although in this case we talked about things to help us get to that new dopamine level. The healthier set point? People that drink, what are some things that could help them? I mean, is it similar? It's very similar. Connection. I mean, uh, I mean, basically the, the, I mean, that whole definition about sin, it's the same definition for addiction. Addiction needs the same solutions, which is connection with people, being understood. The whole story of AA was they psychology had no answers for alcoholism for de- for centuries. We did not know how to help people with that. And how did it all change? Well, it happened when one drunk met another drunk, and they talked to each other. And they realized, wow, I get you. And they started understanding each other. And those two men created Alcoholics Anonymous and has saved millions of lives. And guess what? The Bible was right next to him. The 12 steps are all grounded in biblical principles. We've all forgotten that because AA has really evolved away from Christianity. But the original mission of AA was if we make people Christians, they will not longer, they will no longer be alcoholics. Because now they're connected to a sense of purpose and meaning and they're connected to other people, right? When you're connected in a healthy way, you don't need to connect to Toxins like alcohol or pot or whatever your thing is. So, thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay, so on the graph where you showed the, how the, the uh, porn addiction spikes. Spikes! Line, yeah. In a healthy marriage relationship, I was wondering, because I know like when, when you have that sexual experience and it's, it's fulfilling, that spikes way up, but what happens to the other? Do those grow as well, like connection? And I just kind of know what, what that graph looked like in a... Well, again, the, the big thing is, though, uh, the, re- the reason why porn has such a high thing and then a huge dip is because it's false intimacy. You're, you're not really connecting to anything. You're just, you know, ejaculating and getting a lot of dopamine. But in a relational context, just because you have a great, let's say, sex life in your marriage, nothing is diminished. Nothing is harmed or hindered because you don't have the huge guilt plunge or shame plunge afterwards. Right. So, in other words, again, I think it just go, it testifies how God has made us. So, it you know? of, I mean, so does it kind of like raise everything up as far as like you know friendships? I mean, does everything kind of rise higher up to that threshold too? In my opinion, a healthy marriage uh, doesn't lose any of those benefits that were there before. In other words, you don't lose your friendships. In other words, I think you know we say it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a village or an ecclesia, a church to help marriages be healthy. Nothing in isolation does well. If you look at nature long enough, you'll realize nothing in isolation does well. Right. Okay. Last one. Yes, sir. Uh, I found it interesting when you talked about thinking about things that are pure. 
um, you kind of left it open-ended for us to kind of define it, and it was cool how you kind of talked about biblical things, but you also talked about WD-40. Yeah. So I was just asking, uh, is, was that an intentional thing you did to leave it open-ended, or is there uh, like a biblical framework of what we should think of what is pure? That's, that's what's beautiful about the Bible, right? Paul says, think about things that are pure, but then he doesn't leave the instructions. He, he trusts us with that command, and that's where, again, you just scratching your head and trying to figure that out is part of what transforms your mind. Right? I mean, my list got weird, guys. I mean, I read you some of them. I mean, how did WD-40 show up in mine? I don't know. It's because I was in this mindset of trying to find things that are pure, right? And sure enough, I started valuing, noticing other things differently. In other words, I think it becomes exponential, right? It's not find three things and then you're done. It's this, we're disciples, right? We're constantly learners, Every day we're learners, meaning we will notice and catch more and more things as we're trying to think about such things. So, all right. You got an announcement? I do. Awesome. Thank you very much, dude. Amen. Thank you, guys. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.